Tonight we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. Let's go ahead and go there. And usually, you know, on a Isaiah 9 passage, um, usually we end up just jumping real quick into verses 6 and 7. But I, tonight I want to give a little background to it uh, before we do. And again, one of the interesting things about the you know, the Bible, about Christianity, about Jesus, is just the fact that, you know, he fulfilled uh, over 300 prophecies in his first coming, just in case you didn't know that. So I wanted to actually show you guys this. This is a book by Herbert Lockyer, and uh, the book is actually called All the Messianic Prophecies of the Bible. And so, you know, at one time, Charlie Campbell came. You guys remember Charlie Campbell? He's an apologist, and he came, and he compared all the other religions, all the other faiths to Christianity, and he just basically showed us beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no comparison, that we are the only faith, the only belief. Um, in so many ways, we're different, but one of the ways is the fact that we have these prophetic uh, scriptures regarding the first coming of Christ. And so this book right here, in, in case you're interested, it's a great book. It covers uh, in, in detail all the Messianic prophecies of Christ. And then this uh, handout I have right here is actually um, 365 prophecies from the Old Testament and these are not just like random ones. These are very specific ones. And so if that's something that you're interested in, that you want to get a copy of, uh, you can ask my wife afterwards and she'll make copies for you. How much are you going to charge? Free. Okay, here, can you hold this for me? <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, for me, uh, I'll be honest with you, I have like a folder in my computer and I have my Bible studies that one right there is actually at the top of the list. I keep it there. I've kept it there ever since I got it because to me it just blows my mind. You know, the Bible talks about uh, the, the Lord's coming and just the, 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 the odds of anyone fulfilling all those prophecies is just so amazing. You know, how uh, he would die and uh, even where he would be born, how he would live, uh, the words he would speak, the miracles that he would do. I mean, and then today we're going to see even regarding his birth. And so Isaiah chapter 9, real quick, I want to show you guys a couple of maps just to kind of give you a little bit of background to what we're diving into. Okay, so the map on the left side right here is the map of the Assyrian Empire. And so there was a time when the Assyrian Empire right here in Isaiah's time, 745 to 701 B.C., uh, notice how they, they conquered all the way through. If you look down towards the left, um, the brown is Judah, but the green, you'll notice, is the northern kingdom. Uh, Samaria was part of the northern kingdom. The Assyrians actually conquered the northern kingdom in 722 B.C., but in 722 B.C., so that's 10 years before they got the whole land, they actually conquered, and you can see it more in this map on my right. You see the, uh, the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, Asher, Issachar. That's like the northern portion of Israel. So 10 years before they got the entire land, they conquered the northern kingdom. And so imagine the Assyrians coming in, and we're talking about dismembering people. We're talking about impaling the leaders, we're talking about a people that were so wicked and vile that when Jonah was commanded to go to the Assyrians, to the Ninevites, I mean, this prophet actually went the other way because these people were so wicked. 
And so Jonah said, no, I don't want God to show mercy to them. I don't want to be an instrument of him saving these people. And so anyways, that's the background to what we're going to see, how God um, would discipline his people, how God would chasten his people, how his people would go through so much heartache and turmoil and darkness and, and, and even death. And, and I was thinking about the world that we live in, you know, um, I don't know if we live in the land of the living. You know, some people will read the psalm and it says, I, I, you know, I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't really think this is the land of the living. I think this is the land of the dying. I mean, you know, so many times we see the heartache, the turmoil, the suffering. You know, I was talking uh, today, I was actually doing some research on why is it that we see uh, more bad news than good news. And it's kind of interesting, if you guys ever looked that up on, online, you know, they'll tell you the reason why we see more bad news than good news is because more pe- people are more interested in bad news. Like, So the bad news is on the news, and so they're going to watch the news, right? But I was thinking, no, I, I think the real reason why we see more bad news than good news is because there is more bad news than good news. There is just so much evil so much heartache so many kids that don't have a have a dad you know so many people struggling and fighting and so much hurt and you know this is the world that we live in and so with that understanding with the 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 just the struggle jesus came jesus came into this world of death and darkness and you know discouragement and defeat you know, with my mom passing away, now now she's in, in heaven and she's in glory. And of course, you know, many of you have lost loved ones. Many of you have loved ones that um, have gone on, people that are really close to you. You know, think about your mom. I mean, no one loves you. No one will ever probably love you like your mom, right? And so when you lose that person, obviously there's a void. There's a void. But um, when people go through things, when you know, whatever, it could be other things, you know, that are traumatic in life. Some people, unfortunately, they don't grow. They actually you know, digress. And one of the things I'm seeing, at least early on, it's only been a few days now since my mom has gone home to be with the Lord. I'm, I'm seeing that, that, that I'm growing. That my mom's passing has only drawn me closer to God, that my mom's passing has strengthened my faith, that my mom's passing has um, made heaven more real than it's ever been, and it's made it more desirable than it's ever been. And I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know, been a pastor, been blessed. But as we go through these things, you know, and, and even one thing I was sharing earlier is um, some people say, well, yeah, Manny, but, but if it happens like during the holidays, then it, it makes it more difficult, you know, more difficult. And you know what? I can't speak for everybody. And I think the reason for that is probably because, you know, you're used to spending your holidays with your loved ones. And now here's a holiday and they're, and they're not there. And I understand that. I understand that. But But for me... You know, um, during this time, and my mom, you know, graduating into heaven during this time, it, it, and so far, anyways, it's been like a blessing because this is the season that we celebrate salvation. 
This is, I mean, it's like that every day, but this is the season we, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to, to die uh, for our sins and to save us. And so with that, like, that's my focus. That's this, you know, time. I think that helps even uh, during a, a, a struggle like that. And so um, I, I just, t- Isaiah 9, really cool. I, I know a lot of you guys are familiar with this. I actually wanted to show you a few little outlines because you guys know I'm kind of weird, right? I have kind of like a, a outline OCD type of thing. And But for me, I like these things because they put handles on what um, we're trying to learn. And so we got a couple of them right here. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, in the very first verse, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's this humanity, a child is born. That's his deity, a son is given, right? That's the father who gave his son. And then it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and that's his sovereignty. So you guys know, uh, as we're we're looking at uh, you know Christmas, you know, 100% man, 100% God, and he came to save us. And, and as a matter of fact, if you go to the next screen, I think it's the next one. No, the one after that, maybe. <laughs> or maybe the one after that. Let's see. I'm going to mix you all up. There it is. And so the Christ uh, has come, um, and it's supposed to be, my bad, it's supposed to be uh, first the cradle, then the cross, and then the crown, huh? And so that's why a lot of what you'll see in Christmas and even Joy to the World, the, those, those types of songs, those are, are, are songs that, that not only celebrate that he came to die for our sins, but he came to be ruler forever and ever. And so, you know, from, you know, you know heaven to earth, can't even begin to imagine what that would be like. I was listening to a study today, um, I think it was a Skip Heitzig, and he was talking about how when he went on some missionary trips, and, you know, how he just, you know, it really bothered him. He had a difficult time because the food was bad and the, the weather was bad and the air conditioning wasn't working and just the circumstances and everything and the sickness and all that kind of stuff. And he said, and, and that was just me going from my little comfortable place of living to, you know, the mission field. Imagine how it was for, for, for Jesus. You know, I mean, because we look forward to heaven and we know heaven's going to be this perfect place beautiful bliss imagine the joy the love and there he was sitting on the throne going from there to here you know but this is what he did you know and so we have to we have to acknowledge the cradle which would eventually lead to the cross and then one day to the crown how many of you guys look forward to the day that jesus will rule and reign and it's going to be for a thousand years on planet earth and then after that, it's going to be for how long? Forever and ever and ever. He will reign. And so let's go back and look at the other ones that I, I skipped. I'm sorry. We'll go back to the other two. So another way of outlining this uh, study in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 is Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 1a. You have the fact that he's human and divine. That's in reference to his nature. And, you know, one thing real quick, just to tell you guys, I mean, sure, you know, maybe you've heard of this or not, but, but today there are some who don't believe he's God, and uh, we, we know he is. When you read the scriptures, it's clear as daylight, John 1.1, 1, 1, John 1, 1.14. Uh, we know that Jesus was worshipped and venerated and, you know, just the focus. And so, um, but, but in the early days of Christianity, 
the, the dilemma or the struggle or the first heresy wasn't that he was God. The first was the struggle that he was man. Believe it or not, that was the first struggle. They, they struggled with the fact that he could, how could God be in human flesh? And so there was this uh, heresy called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism taught that God came and that he was just here like a phantom, but he wasn't really here in the flesh. And that's why John, he really writes a lot about that. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so you have to acknowledge his divinity, but you also have to acknowledge his, I mean, his uh, uh, humanity. And uh, that right there is just a great mystery. So that's his nature. We'll see that in Isaiah 9, 6a. But then we get into the names, right? Five names. And so you guys know how it is when a kid's born. You know, what's the name, right? And so uh, Jesus, of course, has many names, but those names reveal things about him. And it's good to know his names. He's, he's wonderful. We're going to talk about that tonight. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We'll talk about what that means and how he's the Prince of Peace. And so we're at church tonight, and you know maybe you're just kind of here thinking, what's for dinner? I can't wait to get dinner later. And I have to admit, I'm a foodie too. I like to think about that a little bit. You know, but don't miss what God wants to do tonight. And let me just ask you a question straight out. Do you have peace? Do you have peace in your heart? Because if you don't, God wants to give that to you tonight. He loves you. You know, and if you don't have peace in in your heart, you want to know why? It's because you've been stiff-arming him. You've been, for some reason, just keeping him at distance. You know, if we're not close to God, it's not his fault. I mean, he loves you. He, he wants this relationship and he wants to give you peace. And to me, that's a huge thing because that's, you know, part of the reason why we as leaders, servant leaders, this is why we're here. We don't just come, well, because that's what we do on Wednesdays or that's what we do on Sundays. When we're over there and we're praying, we're thinking about you guys. We are thinking about you. We are praying for you. We are, Lord, bring the people, all the people, Lord, but especially someone that might be struggling and they don't have peace in their life. Lord, give them peace to know that you love them, to know that you're on the throne ruling over their life, that everything is in your hands, that, that they're in your hands. You know, the other day I gave something very, very valuable to a person and uh, it was funny and and this is kind of a silly thing, but it was very, very valuable to me and I gave it to this person and I walked away and I said to myself, that is in good hands because there's a lot of people I would have not given that to. (laughs) Because I know even myself, if someone gives me something, you know, I, I might lose it. How many of you guys are like that? You know, if someone gives you something and in all reality, you know, you're, you might lose it. But I gave it to this person. I said, you know what? That's safe. That's in good hands. You are in good hands. Do you believe that? Because you are in God's hands. You know, so prayerfully, we don't have idols. Anything we put before God, anyone, any ambition, relation, or possession. And prayerfully, we don't stiff arm God. You know, that we come even to a church service and we're like, okay, Lord, touch me. I'm open. You know, do that work. And so we have another, I think, one more that I want to show you. 
And when it comes to the names, you know, we have uh, these five names that we're going to look at. Wonderful is, um, that's something that is in and of itself, it stands alone. But then we're going to talk about counselor and how, you know, as a counselor, God is personal with us. As mighty God, he's powerful. As everlasting father, we're going to see that's in reference primarily to that he's eternal. And then the prince of peace is the fact that he's tranquil. He gives us the tranquility, and that means free from disturbance. It means like a calm in our life. We're not freaking out. We're not worried. We're not biting our nails because God's not. God has everything in his hands. And so it's a beautiful thing because of what Jesus has done. So let's look here at Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. He says, nevertheless... And so the reason he says nevertheless is because in chapter 8 it ended with, in one sense, because of their disobedience, judgment. And of course we know the Jews have experienced God's discipline, just like many of us have, many people out there have. You know, so he said, but, but he says nevertheless, in spite of the difficulties and discipline and darkness, nevertheless, he says, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more, more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You know, in spite of the difficulties, you know, um, the darkness, right here we see the gloom. And it went from being distressed there uh, to even being oppressed. Now he mentions the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. He's talking again about, like I showed you earlier, the northern portion of Israel. And uh, he's talking about these tribes that were there uh, are surrounding uh, the the Lake of Galilee. And so that's why even later on when Jesus was there, they referred to this area as the Galilee of the Gentiles because it was, it was many primarily Gentiles there, right? And so verse 2, it talks about people who walked in darkness, how, how they've seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land, notice, of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And so when you think of someone walking in the darkness, from a spiritual perspective, what, what do you think? People walking in the darkness. What do you think? I mean, you could just think while they're just lost and, you know, you've been camping, you didn't have a flashlight, you don't have a compass, you know, you're, you're safely lost. You, you could probably think that. There are some people in one sense, they kind of don't know where they're going. But I, I think this is definitely worse than that, not safely lost. We're talking about in the darkness, uh, the demonic darkness. We're talking about a really tough place here. They walked in darkness. They walked in disobedience. In Ephesians chapter 2, it basically says they were on their way to hell, slippery slope, without hope. This is where they, these people were, right? You know, uh, the people walked in darkness. They've seen a great light, right? Th- those who dwell in the land of the, val- of the, of the shadow of death. And, and the shadow of death, I mean... 
you know, I was thinking about that, the shadow of death. Like, what's the shadow of death? And to me, when I think of the shadow of death, I think of two things. Number one, I think of someone who is about to die. You know, it's like the shadow of death. They're, they're, they're about to die. They know it. And, and you know, imagine you're, you're walking in darkness and you're about to die. Imagine that. This is where they were. And what goes through your mind? I mean, you don't have the peace of heaven. When you guys, because you're Christians, and one day when you're there, and maybe it'll be, you know, this long fight with an illness, or maybe, you know, who knows? I don't want to sound weird or anything, freak you guys out, but maybe we'll be in a car accident. We'll be lying on the side of the road right there. And um, I'm like, okay, Lord, here I come, you know? I don't know. But, but for them, it was different because they were walking in darkness, and now they're about to die. I've heard stories about some of these people who didn't know the Lord, and man, it, it was not pretty when they, when they died. So this is where they were. Uh, another, another view as far as the shadow of death has to do with being, uh, uh, um, you know, your loved one has died. And so you're kind of in the shadow of that. And of course, again, like we were talking about earlier, that can be a difficult place, especially, you know, if you're not sure where they will be for eternity. And so this was a dark time. This is without the Lord, right? But in that darkness, in that darkness, the only light, the only light that could save the day came. The only one. This is what we read right here. Upon them a light has shined. Verse 3, as a result, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. Let me ask you a question. Do you have joy? Yeah, you're like, yeah, Manny, I have joy when everything's going good. You know, I have joy when I'm getting what I want. I have joy when, you know, they're treating me right or whatever the, whatever the thing is. Listen, you can't let your joy be dependent upon anyone or anything else. You know, right here, they had joy, and we're going to see, because they had Jesus. You can't be here tonight saying, I have joy because, you know, everything's falling in, in, in you know, place with, with my life or whatever those conceptions are. No. You know, this is so beautiful. The, the, the multiply, you have multiplied the nation, increased its joy. They rejoice, it says in verse 3, before you, according to the joy of the harvest. And that would be like, let's just say, I, I know this sounds weird, but imagine, you know, one day you get a check, you know, your boss pays you a million dollars or something. How many of you guys would say, hey, that's kind of cool. I could pay off my credit cards. I could pay off my mortgage. I could take care of, uh, you know, imagine just the, the joy. But in this case, it's, you know, the harvest has come in and then God has given you something that you know you need. He says, as men rejoice when they, when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of this burden and the and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppression, as in the day of Midian, and that was, you know, in those days. And the Midianites they they oppressed the the Jews many times, but we we think primarily of the day that 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 Gideon was there, and you know that he was there threshing wheat 
you know, in a hidden, secluded place because he knew that if they saw him with this, that they would take everything. They didn't allow them to have anything. And talk about a a person living in a difficult place. You know, I see it in the world, but tragically, I do see it amongst Christians as well. You know, you can't be possessed by the devil because God lives inside of you. But you can be harassed and you can be oppressed. If you're not living in joy, if you're not living in peace, then you're not in that place where God wants you to be. And so what's the problem? Well, there seems to be a disconnect between you and Jesus. You and Jesus. And so what what you need to do is get everything else out of the way. If it's a person, just say, hey, get out of the way, man. If it's an ambition, get out of the way. And I see it a lot. I see it a lot. And your heart just breaks because there they are. They're pursuing whatever their dream is on, on, on planet Earth. And they're missing out on what God has for them. I see it. But what we see right here, the Lord is just saying, man, in that darkness, in that demonic darkness, in the shadow of death, whether it be their death or someone else's death, and with a Syrian you know, uh, assault, God says, a light has shined, multiplied this joy. They got this, you know, this spoil. Uh, they're going to divide it together. The, the burden is lifted. Think about that, how awesome, you know, that would be if you're walking around with this burden and then one day someone comes and says, let me carry that for you. It says there in verse 5, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. And this right here is in reference to the victory. You know, in this case, we see it's more descriptive of a military victory, right? Uh, you've got the, the, the boots, um, the sandals. Uh, they, they, they're not going to need them anymore. They're going to take their garments. They're going to take them off, roll them up. They're all bloody from the victory of the battle, you know, and they're just going to burn it up. Why? Because right here, basically what they're saying is there'll be no more War. No more. Okay, so so you and I, we are in a spiritual war every single moment of our life. Did you know that's crazy? You may not think about it, but I mean, it could be the smallest thought that the enemy shoots your way, or it could be whatever it is, an ailment, a, a trial, someone persecutes you at work, a, you know, your heart is broken because of uh, this happened to a loved one. Just circumstances. And a, a lot of it is just, you know, the fallen flesh, the fallen world, the fallen demons, the fight that we are perpetually in. Right here he says, no, we don't need any of that anymore because the victory is, 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 has, been, has been accomplished. And I, and I look forward to that day. You know, I, I really do. I, I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day where... Um, Man, we, it's kind of like uh, Isaiah chapter 2, I think it's verse 4. You guys probably know that this passage is over in, uh, it's on a, a wall across the street from the United Nations. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, it says, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so the United Nations, oh man, what a joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you know, they think that they can actually bring this kind of peace on earth. Well, there is no more war. We turn our swords into plowshares and, you know, all that kind of stuff, spears into, into pruning hooks. And, and we won't have to study war. We won't have to do more. Absolutely. No, there's no way. We can't do that. But one day, this Isaiah is in reference to Jesus coming. And that's what we're going to see in the, during the millennial kingdom. And then one final uprising will be dealt with and then forever and ever and ever in heaven and heaven. And, you know, I know a lot of you here, you have loved ones in heaven, huh? They're your, your loved ones in heaven. You know, I was thinking again about my mom, and you're thinking about your loved one, and they're healthy. They're strong, you know? Um, they're dancing, running, leaping. I don't know. I think about my mom, and I saw her deteriorate, and I never forget, like, the day we were in Walmart, and uh, and she told me that she couldn't walk anymore. What do you mean you can't walk anymore? Because, you know, you walk everywhere. You do it. We take walking for granted. But the day came where she couldn't do it anymore. And so I had to go get her one of those little things that you, motor, motor you know, you drive around in, you know, and a Walmart. And so she's driving around in it, you know, kind of recklessly and just having fun, I think. But, <laughs> but you know, um now they're in heaven, you know, the, the joy. You guys, we have to have this anchor inside of us. Of course, I'm not, you know, in any way saying that, you know, we, of course we know who the superstar is. That's the Lord. That's the primary reason we want to go to heaven is because we will see him, right? And so that's the, the joy of that. But being reconciled to our loved ones, I think that's also something we see in the scriptures. They talk about frequently, and so, right here, no more war. We're going to be there one day. And you're like, well, how in the world can this happen? How, how can this be? Because we're here in darkness and death and demons and shadow of death. And I'm about to die or I saw them die. And I re- see it on the news like every single day. And, you know, you're telling me that th- there's going to be no more war, peace, perpetually, joy, rejoicing, victory. And you- how in the world can this possibly be? And that's what Christmas is, right? Because it says right here, verse 6, For unto us... A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. You know, there in, in verse 6, we, we see the, the, the humanity of Jesus. Every single day, if I'm not mistaken, they say right around 360,000 babies are born. And so you're, you're thinking, well, what's the big deal? Another baby. Oh, but this one's different. Because not only is a child born, it says unto us a son is given. And I don't know, we'll, we'll never be able to, um, like, like really, like, man, I, I don't know if we'll be able to really see it for what it really is. But I, I, I've told you guys about the doctrine of, we learned in, you know, um, systematic theology, it's called the immensity of God. And what that is, is that God is everywhere in his fullness at all times. So imagine the the universe, God being everywhere in his fullness at all times. And then that same God, 
who made and maintained the universe then became you know the the size of a the period right there at the end of your sentence within the womb of Mary You're, and then how does that happen? I wonder if we go to heaven. I wonder when we're there if God will give us a little insight on this little Bible study on this uh, that would be really cool to be honest, you know, but what a mystery how um the one who spoke the universe into existence by the power of his word had to learn how to talk. Imagine that. You know, when you look at Christ, it wasn't a grand entrance by any means. It was dark, smelly, bloody, and there he came. The baby was born, bundled up in swaddling cloths to keep the creator from the cold. The Holy One of eternity was completely helpless in that instant when the infinite infinite became an infant. He wasn't born with a halo on his head or perpetual smile. No, the Creator cried, heaven hungered. The Maker would have died if his mommy didn't give him milk. Imagine that. You know, and, and when you look at the mystery of godliness, the, the fact that he was human, that he uh, walked in our moccasins, you know, of course we know the reason for this is because he had to come and die for our sins. You read the Old Testament, and this is what breaks my heart about the Jews. They read all those sacrifices and all those blood sacrifices, and their Jews are amazing people. They're so smart. Israel is an amazing place. You know, there's no doubt about the fact that they are God's chosen people in that certain sense, right? And they have the Old Testament. They have the Bible. They read all those sacrifices, all the blood, all that stuff. You know, they're put at the mercy seat. Once a year, Yom Kippur, the high priest, the whole Levitical system and it just makes you wonder why can't they see the simplicity of the fact that all those sacrifices were pointing to the one who would one day die for us and shed his blood on Calvary why can't they see that because they're blind but of course we know he had to be human God had to take on human flesh and it had to be God the reason it had to be God it couldn't be an angel like the Jehovah Witnesses will tell you well God you know sent his angel the one that he made you know Michael whoever it might be and God killed him and to die on the cross for us you know and it couldn't be an angel because the punishment was an infinite punishment Infinite. That's why when people die and you know Hades is thrown into the lake of fire, it's an infinite punishment because of the fact that the offense is against an infinite God. And so if it's an infinite punishment, there's only one who could absorb the infinite punishment and that would have to be God. So he had to be 100% human and he had to be 100% Divine, And this is what we see right here in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given. I love the fact that it, it's unto us, right? We got God for Christmas. And there you see um, his humanity. You see his divinity. What a mystery. You know, we could just move on and you guys probably go through and get some eggnog. I'm not sure what you like for Christmas, man, but please... Take some time and, and ponder these things. You know, today I was reading in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, and I don't remember exactly what verse it was. I can get it for you afterwards if you're, if you're interested. But uh, one of the Psalms, it basically said um, that we should meditate on his works. We should actually meditate on his works. 
And 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 I think what we what we do in life is we just rush through. We rush through everything. And it says we should meditate on his works and talk about them. So we should meditate on his works and talk about them. And as I was just pondering that today, I was like, Lord, forgive me, because a lot of times I just, you know, I go through and we're so busy, we don't really take that in. It's almost like we, you know, you know, like from a physical perspective, you eat something that's good for you, but for whatever reason, you don't absorb the nutrients from it. This is what happens when we, God does these miracles. When my mom's passing away and the journals that I'm reading and the things that we're experiencing, my wife knows this just as well as I do. I see the fingerprints of God everywhere. I see it. There is no doubt about it, how God is showing himself to me through these things and I, if I wanted to I could just go on and move on to the next thing because there's a million things I have to do everybody has a million things to do right but no the Lord is saying stop look at this meditate on the works of God and then when it says talk about them talk about them to, to be honest like at first I thought oh yeah well we're supposed to tell everybody about them and yeah that's part of it but it doesn't say tell everybody about them. It just talk about them. And I thought to myself, because like, I can talk to God about them. I can see what God is doing in my life and how personal he is and how in this uh, event you know, that we've experienced, this event, I see you, Lord. My, I mean, and then it's making my faith stronger because I am seeing how personal you are. And, you know, I, I'm, so I'm talking to him about it. I'm actually talking to him about it. And then you want to know what else I do? I talk to myself about it. Do you guys ever talk to yourself? You should. You should talk to yourself, yeah? I mean, you know, because in one sense, that's what meditation is. And so don't just see it and then leave and rush and miss and not grow. But all these works that God does, uh, meditate on them and talk about them. You know, when we see that that God came to become a, a child and the humility in which he came, the love with which he came, you know, maybe that's something that you need to do. And, and it's as simple as saying, hey, you know, take 15 minutes and think about it. Oh, but yeah, I might get a, 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 a text message. Turn the phone off <laughs> and talk to God. Unto us a child is born, it never gets old. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His shoulder. It's not, you know, going to be, uh, I mean, anyone else, you know, but him. He's going to bear. And what a wonderful thing it'll be, you know, when when he is king. You know, Second uh, Samuel seven fourteen. Let's turn there real quick. That's another like staple verse when it comes to stuff like this. Notice what it says in Second Samuel. Um, yeah, seven sixteen. I, I, I just thought about it right now, Mom. You know what? I got to show them that verse. And when, when, when the the prophet, 
you know, is talking to David and he's telling him, you know, what's going to happen to to him. It says right here in verse 16, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established for how long? Forever. You know, and when you read about the Messiah and you read about this, this coming king, how he would rule forever, then you, why didn't they know it was God? Why, why didn't they know that? Because who else can rule forever? You know, but of course we know that unfortunately their eyes are closed. So when we come back to him ruling, that promise given, you know, to David and his descendant, it says right here, and his name will be called, you know, and those are the five names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so his name will be called Wonderful. Um, this is a, a unique word. When you think of the word wonder, it definitely inspires like maybe even a little bit of question. Wow, wonder and awe. You know, and again, like I said earlier, I think in many ways those are the things that um, that we need to notice God does in our life. Imagine that. God does this beautiful miracle and you don't even acknowledge it. We need to notice those things. The, the, God, the, 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 the Lord is, is wonderful. I was thinking about the, the wonders of the world, the seven wonders of the world. You know, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to the Taj Mahal. I'm just curious. The Great Wall of China, the Colosseum. We did go to one of the seven wonders of the world. We went to Petra. That's what they say is one of the wonders of the world. And then the other one, uh, Christ the Redeemer. Have you guys ever heard of that big old statue in Rio de Janeiro? Yeah, it's huge, 100 feet uh, tall. I mean, just huge, massive. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. Now, that wonder of the world, I can kind of relate to a little more. Not the statue, but Jesus. You know, his name will be called Wonderful. It's interesting. It's who he is. Judges thirteen eighteen says, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful, right? And and so it's who he is, but it's also what he does. Psalm one hundred seven eight says, "Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and even for his wonderful works to the children of men." We see the same thing in Psalm forty verse five. We see it in the ministry of Jesus in Matthew twenty one fifteen, and then even later in Acts two eleven, the wonderful works of God. And so, if you're here. And your life is boring, then you are not walking with Jesus because he is wonderful. I mean, when you walk with Jesus, we're talking about ah, we're talking about whoa, we're talking about wow, how did that happen? There is a God. And the second thing, it puts it together perfectly because it's wonderful. And then he's this counselor. Now, of course, as a counselor, he's going to give you advice and guidance. And, you know, you don't need to, you really don't need to go to man. Sometimes God will speak through people, but I'll be honest with you, I mean, for the most part, I just get on my face. I, I get on my face and I talk to God and he talks to me. He counsels me. You know, and, and the, the counselor part to me is the, is the personal part. Like, wow, Lord, 
I have definitely been blessed in my relationship with you for the last 34 years that you have never failed to speak to me personally. God will do that. We have to make sure we know his name is wonderful. His name is counselor. You don't have to spend, some people are are paying $300 an hour to go see a, um, a psychiatrist or a counselor of some sort. You know, they say $225 billion a year is spent on this kind of stuff, when in all reality it's free. And from Christ it's perfect. Do you need guidance in your life? Do you need encouragement in your life? Are you interested in hearing the voice of God? He will counsel you. He is wonderful. He is counselor. And just in case you're wondering, well, I don't know if he's strong enough, that the third name right there is he's mighty God. And so he's wonderful, he's personal, and he's powerful. And so can I ask you a question? What is it in your life that hasn't happened yet and and has got your, your feet nailed to the ground and your heart broken to where you won't even walk with God? And, and, and I guess you don't realize that if God wanted it differently, he would make it different. He's powerful enough to do anything. You know, for us, I mean, I know this is probably a, a different thing, and I'm praying and praying and praying, Lord, get us a building one day, please. Because I want to have some really nice clean bathrooms with this nice tile, you know. And, you know, it would be so cool, God. Because I know if you give us a big old huge sanctuary, there's no problem. You will feel it. There is no, that's never, ever been a problem. Whatever the facility is, God will fill it, right? And so I, I don't know, though. I mean, when we get to heaven, it's not like God is going to say, well, you're going to get your rewards based on the size of your church. No, there's no such thing as a small church. So I already know those things like that. But all I'm saying is that, God, you know, we're, we're moving it to the top of the list in, in many ways. Lord, um, there's nothing too hard for you. So we're praying, you know, God, get us a... A building because I know his name. I know his name. He's wonderful. He's personal. He's powerful. He's mighty God, right? And then it says right there that he is the everlasting father. And, and in that title, as everlasting father, it's not that he is the father. Of course, we know there's a distinction within the Godhead. But really, it's in reference to the fact that he is the father of eternity. Eternity. And so he's the only baby ever born that when he was born, he was the same age as his father. And when he was born, he was infinitely older than his mother, the only one. <laughs> but that, in one sense, is his saying, he, he's God, you know, um, come to earth. Imagine that, going back to eternity and entering into time. Why? On a rescue mission. For people like us. Now, sometimes people will use different analogies. Like, I don't know if you guys would ever think of this. Like, Manny, what is it that God came to earth, you know, to save us? Would that be like you becoming an ant in order to save the ants? And I mean, I guess there is in one sense some sort of parallelism, but there's not. There's something different about us than ants. Ants are not created in our image. Right? We are created in the image of God. And we are precious and valuable to Him because of that. 
But it it is kind of similar to maybe, you know, me becoming, I don't know, what's, is there any insect, you young people right here, you guys are taking this in your class recently, right? Is there, there's insects smaller than ants, right? I mean, super small, I mean, minuscule. You can see them, the girls would know, in, in, a, in a, like, underneath the microscope. I mean, it would be like that multiplied a million times over. This is what God has done for us to save us. Do, now, do we need the ants? Do we need that minuscule insect right there? Whatever. No, we don't need that. Man, I have, you know, pizza. I'm good, man. I I don't need that, right? Do you think God needed us? He doesn't need us, but he loves us. It's all part of this plan. And then when this is all said and done and all this darkness and death and all this demonic stuff is defeated, we will be home in heaven forever and ever. You know, I was thinking about, again, you know, many of you here, I was talking to someone earlier who, unfortunately, my heart just goes out to them because they're, they're, they're technically homeless, you know, and they have their beautiful children and, and she's looking for a place to live. And I was just thinking about my, my, my own life and I was thinking, well, this is not like the, the way that you would want to live life. It's very you know, dysfunctional, it's very difficult, it's very tough, but I was telling her to kind of like the same thing with me. The most important thing, though, is that you're you're Christians, you're saved, you know the Lord. Because there are many people who have it all together financially, but when they die, I mean, that's as good as it gets for them. So for us, right here, when we're talking about the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is who came. This is who was born that night. And the Prince of Peace one, to me, is very important because I think of you guys. I think, Lord, do they have peace? I wonder uh, about you. I, I wonder. You know, the Bible says, one of my mom's favorite Psalms, I asked her, Mom, what's your favorite verse? She, Everybody, I think, kind of did, goes to Psalm 23, right? But, you know, she would just start quoting it there as she's lying on her bed. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. So you can't make a sheep lie down unless it feels safe, unless it has peace, right? And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. I'm a sheep just like you, but I want that peace. I want you to have that peace. And the only way you're going to have that peace is if you have a true, sincere, genuine, heartfelt, daily relationship with Jesus. It's the only way. This is why he was born. And so, you know, you're wondering, well, is it really going to happen? Yeah, look what it says. And we'll close with this in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, just in case you're wondering about a bureaucracy there, okay, this is not a bigger government, okay? <laughs> Actually, the increase is better. It would be better to say the greatness, the greatness of his government 
and peace. There will be no end. You guys, no end for us. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forever, even forever. He says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And you know, have you ever met somebody who's uh, on fire? They're really zealous. Yeah, it's kind of contagious, huh? And it's beautiful to see. Hopefully that's us. Hopefully we're zealous. But you want to know what? You're not the only one. <laughs> he is too. He's zealous for you. When he says zeal for your, for your, your, your temple, you know, it's not the building. It's not. It's the people. And that's eating them up. And this is why we know. There's no doubt about it no doubt about it. God is going to do this and it's going to be glorious. And so it's a blessing, you guys, all the things we're doing for Christmas. I praise God. Someone uh, texted my wife today and they said they are going to give us some tamales. So when did they say they're going to do it? I mean, it's going to happen soon. And, you know, I thank God for that. We have these cookies, okay? And they're, I feel bad. I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but there is a sister in this church who makes these amazing cookies they are so good that amongst all the sweets almost all the sweets i'm like man that's all i need for the rest of my life is that right there <laughs> but i only get them at christmas time you know and then you know the lights and the house is decorated now and the songs and and just yeah praise god you know getting to buy some gifts for people what a blessing to do all that but not miss just to be able to contemplate what Jesus has done for us, what the Father has done and that he gave his Son, what the Holy Spirit has done and that he's revealed this to us. You know, and that we're here, I'm so proud of you on a midweek service and, um, yeah, wanting to celebrate him. And I'm thinking that, men, you know, most of you guys are, are in a right relationship with God, but I'm also thinking that there may be one or two of you or maybe a few that aren't. And if you're here today and you're not, you know, um, I pray that you would ask God, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm struggling. I, I need you, Lord, to be um, my Savior, you know, to be the number one in my life. And um, He will forgive you. He will encourage you. He, he won't be like a lot of us are. We're like, well, let me think about it. No, he's not like that. He says, if anyone comes to me, I will never in no wise cast them off. So in your heart right now, in your heart right now, you come to him. And just say, Lord, I need to be near. I need you. Touch me, Lord. And he will.